This podcast is brought to you by the new Yahoo Finance Premium. If you're looking to take your investing to the next level, Premium has you covered. Try it free at yahoofinance.com slash premium. From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Today we are talking gun control. The mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton thrust the gun control issue to the forefront of the 2020 presidential election. And President Trump has said he is in favor of background checks. But, Rick, he says there is no, quote, political appetite for legislation to ban assault weapons. There's some new research out by Pew that may say differently. I guess it depends how you define political appetite. There certainly is public interest in doing something about gun violence, and it has been for some time. So uh, the Pew data you mentioned, Pew uh, Research Fund, and, and by the way, anybody can look this up, and people should look this up to see Very comprehensive. Uh, what are these. Uh, this is the Pew Research Center. Uh, so uh, the percentage of Americans who uh, say uh, there should be uh, new rules or new laws to prevent people with mental illnesses from purchasing guns, that's 89%. The portion who say new rules or laws barring gun purchases by people on federal no-fly or watch list, 84%. 85% favor uh, more extensive background checks for gun sales. Uh, some of the other ones, uh, and the other big one here, banning assault weapons, 67% of Americans favor that, banning assault weapons. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That I mean, as, you know, as people think that uh, gun policy and gun rights and gun control, this is very divisive. Uh, that's a very solid majority, 67% of Americans saying, yes, they agree we should ban, not limit, but ban the sale of assault weapons. That's a lot of people who think that. So I think what this is telling you, we have a little bit of a tyranny of the majority in the Senate in particular, uh, where a few Republicans, notably Mitch McConnell, the Senate majority, majority leader, have basically stood in the way of any kind of new gun control legislation. It sounds like if there were some political leadership on this, yes, there would actually be a political appetite to do something. Joe Biden has gone on the record as saying he wants as much. He wants a, a yep. complete ban on all assault weapons. And some are saying that what that amounts to is infringement on our on our human rights, uh, wanting to take away the guns that are already out there. Yeah. And I, I think the, <laughs> the so when you, it sounds very clean when you cite poll results. Right. But the reason this gets so muddled when you talk about actual policy and converting public opinion into into an actual law is that um, I think a lot of people don't necessarily perceive this as uh, one discrete law or one discrete policy issue. So, uh, I mean, we, we can put the – I'm going to put the National Rifle Association in a different category because they oppose essentially any kind of re- effort to regulate guns in any way whatsoever. So every – piece of every type of gun regulation bad to the NRA. Mm -hmm. They are way off to the extreme on one end, and they are out of touch with where Americans in general are. But when you talk— Their mission is to to make sure the Second Amendment is not touched in any way, and that's their core mission. I I think uh, some people would say their mission, uh, that the NRA is essentially a lobbying group for the gun industry, even though it has the status of, uh, I don't know technically what its status is, but I think the NRA itself is a nonprofit group and it has a lot, a separate lobbying group, but I, I think it's largely viewed it as a lobbying A, a political a lobbying arm group of the Republican Party. Uh, I'm not even sure it's that anymore. I mean, we're seeing a lot of fracturing here with regard to uh, public opinion about the NRA itself, mm-hmm. which has had a lot of problems uh, and how that relates to, money the, problems, to gun for sure. and, uh, and governance problems, apparently, yeah. uh, questions about whether they're spending 
the dues money and the other contributions they get for members uh, in a responsible way. But to go back to this question of assault weapons bans, um, the I think the sort of complication here is that is this belief, which certainly is stoked by gun right defenders, that people who say they want to ban assault weapons don't want to stop at banning assault weapons. First, it's assault weapons, then it's long rifles, and then it's handguns, and then it's a total ban on all guns. It's, you know, the camel putting its nose under the tent theory. And um, I I actually think that's kind of silly. I think that um, probably there are some politicians who do have that kind of strategy. I just don't think it's politically plausible uh, given the sort of uh, role that guns play in U.S. society, the sort of society we have, the importance of rural uh, voters and rural populations uh, who live off the land in ways that those of us in cities do not and have Mm -hmm. done that for decades and centuries. Um, So I don't think we would ever get to a place where we could have a reasonable chance that you would actually begin to ban hunting rifles, for example. Uh, I I just don't see that happening. I don't think that's politically plausible. But it is – I think it has been an effective scare tactic by the NRA and others on that side of the debate saying – Oh, they're not going to assault with stop with assault weapons. They want to go after the next level of guns after that and the next one after that. So when Joe Biden says, yep, I want to ban assault weapons completely, the gun rights advocates say, see, he's going to take away our guns. And I don't think that's at all what Biden's talking about. In fact, just to go back to what Biden said, um, when you <laughs> so even with even when you say an assault weapons ban, what does that even mean? Uh, it could mean it could mean several different things. So it could be a ban. By the way, we did have an assault weapons ban. From 1990, right. Congress did pass an assault weapons ban in 1994, and the republic survived that somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a 10-year ban that uh, built into the law. It was supposed to sunset in 2004. I'd and like that, to know what happened to violence overall in this country. And I wish, and happened. I don't have those. We're going to have to look that, have that up that and tell the folks. Yeah, I would venture to say that um, there probably is at least one. Mass shooting involving an assault weapon that did that not happen, happen right. between 1994 and 2004. That's completely unprovable. Um, there's no. It's, it's, it's impossible. It, it's impossible yeah. to say. Oh, what would these have 17 people here are the ones who would otherwise have been killed. I mean, we just can't do that. Sure. Um, but you're right. It would. Be, I'm, sure, I'm sure somebody has done that. But Biden, uh, I think. One, so to get into what Biden actually says he wants to do, ban assault weapons going forward. So in other words, you can no longer sell. If you were to enact it from that day forward, you can no longer sell uh, assault weapons. But what about the ones that are already out there? And he it's wants millions. to take them back. Is well, he wants to buy them back. Buy them back. Okay. And there's a big difference between a voluntary voluntary buyback program and a uh, some kind of gun seizure program um, you know so the uh, the gun rights fanatics rights. Yeah, the gun rights right. fanatics what they are always talking about is the government's going to go house to house basically break down your front door and take all your guns I, that is just never going to happen mm-hmm. i mean in the united states that's not going to happen um, well, pew- but yeah. uh, so biden says let's do a, a voluntary buyback where the government will offer you money for your for your assault weapon maybe, we've seen this before we've, we've seen, seen this it at happen, the, but it's not sort of at the city at the city level, level. Right. Um, I, I, I think um, Beto O'Rourke has gone a little bit further yes. that he would have a mandatory buyback uh, program. Hard to enact um, that. I'm, that sounds sort of sound sort of sounds like um, you know when the government has a right to seize your land to build a highway or something. Right. Th- I mean that 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 goes too far. I mean that that is the type of thing that would frighten people who mm-hmm. might otherwise be inclined to support an assault weapons ban. So it matters how you do it. Kamala Harris, though, perhaps the most extreme, Senator Harris actually wants to 
do this by executive order. I mean, is that can she do that? I don't know. Um, I, I think we've seen with Trump that uh, some there are some things you can do with <laughs> an executive order and some things you can't. And a lot of this is not entirely clear because nobody has really used executive orders the way Trump has until now. Uh, so, yeah, she's saying she would be aggressive. Uh, but I think we also need to keep in mind that what we're hearing from the um, Democrats now, most of them, and perhaps Joe Biden is an exception, but most of the Democrats, what they're saying, they're talking to Democratic primary voters, not to general election voters who are going to be uh, more centrist. So right. they're talking to more liberal and progressive, whatever progressive means, I never know what that word means, uh, voters right now. So I think that's where Kamala Harris is coming from. So you might find that she says, I would uh, you know, I favor executive action to blah, 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 blah. and um, <laughs> okay. so she's going to do something El- big El- with executive said- action. But then when the uh, when she has to explain that if she were to become the nominee, then right. when she has to explain that to general election voters and try to win some independence in the middle, she'd say, I would uh, use executive action to form a study group that would uh-huh. propose legislation or uh, maybe it would, you know, recommend a voluntary buyback program or something. So it's always going to sound more moderate in the general election than it is in the primary. I want to get back to that Pew um, research poll because it found that about three quarters of gun owners, current gun owners, say this right is essential to their own sense of freedom, which leads me to wonder, you know, the Democrats are so left on this topic. I, I, are they – are they – alienating some of the centrists or some of the Trump base they're going to need to unseat him in the next election. I'm not sure the Democrats are that far to the left on uh, this issue. It's pretty extreme. We want an executive order. We want to ban all assault weapons. I, um, I would argue that banning assault weapons is not extreme at all. I mean, we're actually Depending the, we're on what actually you mean the by only developed— weapons. Uh, uh, and I don't, and I don't know the formal event, but we know that they, they're, they're weapons that shoot a lot of rounds in a very short period of time can and can murder many why, people in the in the space of one why minute. Why do we need that on, on our streets we today? Don't, why does anybody I, we don't, need a I gun mean, like we just that? don't. I mean, we right. don't need that. And in fact, I think the, the way you actually framed that question, I think, says a lot about um, how America itself is an outlier among advanced economies when it comes to guns, because I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what every country in the world does on this, but I think the United States is the only advanced economy that even allows assault weapons. These are mo- for the most part military grade weapons. Um, and into I mean, our we, we, obviously, I mean, we obviously have the most permissive gun rules in the world, and we also have the by far the highest rate of gun violence in the world uh, among advanced countries, not among uh, third world or developing countries. Um, so I, I don't. I think it's uh, as a starting point. I think it makes no sense whatsoever that we even that we have a single um, assault weapon in the hands of anybody. This podcast is brought to you by the new Yahoo Finance Premium. Are you ready to take your investing to the next level? With premium features, advanced data, and a sophisticated new way to stay on top of your portfolio, you can trade with complete confidence. Because it's more than just your portfolio, right? It's your money. Yahoo Finance Premium lets you trade up using tools that help you go beyond the fundamentals with industry-leading insights and detailed company profiles. You can trade up to advanced portfolio tools that help you monitor allocation, diversification, and risk. You'll discover new opportunities with detailed research reports and investment ideas that are updated every single day. So are you ready to trade up? Try it free today at yahoofinance.com slash premium. 
I, but I also, but I also think. Uh, I mean, Democrats. I mean, many Democrats uh, have been members of the NRA before the NRA became this kind of toxic interest group. It used to just represent the interests of gun owners. It used to do um, firearms education. I mean, that's a good thing. It now, get this. <clears throat> Safety and education is less than 10 percent of the overall NRA right, budget. Right. You know, and speaking of people who, who left, George W.H. Bush left. Uh, he was a member for years and then he felt they started to get a little wacky and he decided to resign. I mean, my own view is that um, the uh, NRA uh, has become an extremist fringe group. I don't mean I don't mean that to say that it's it, it in itself is fomenting mm-hmm. violence, but it's but it, it just does not represent any common sense approach to public safety at all. And it didn't used to be that. Right. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, we, there are Democrats who come from rural states who've been hunters and, um, uh, you know, have no, actually have no problem with uh, people owning hunting rifles and even handguns for protection or whatever and you might want to hand, maybe for sport. And that's we're hearing more and more I about mean, is common sense gun legislation. Because I, for one, although I, I'm not a, a gun advocate, you don't I don't want to take away anybody's right to be able to go and hunt, but but my I don't think any is, I don't think anybody really. I don't does. know. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I don't know why we need these high-powered assault weapons and live as though a war is going on in our own backyard. You know, because of the Second Amendment. Well, it's here's because the thing the about the Second Amendment. Amendment. Uh, to me, and I think to a lot of people would agree with this is. It's it's up for interpretation. That's why we have the totally. Supreme Court, right? Oh, so sure. our forefathers could have never imagined the the weapons of mass destruction that we now have in 2019 when we wrote this Constitution. Years weapons ago. of mass destruction in ordinary citizens' hands. That's right. Not uh, in some government, um, you know, depot. So it's someplace. hard to believe that the NRA, which puts itself out there as as an organization that's there to also educate people, that they would allow everyday normal people you know, or there, not so normal people there's to some, have these There's guns. something profoundly wrong with the NRA. And uh, I actually think this would be a great time for some other um, gun uh, firearms education group or uh, some other group that represents in a more sensible way the interest of gun, gun owners way. for yeah. sport, let's say, uh, for hunting, a hunting group or something like that to, you know, uh, frankly, to use, you know, a business term, disrupt the NRA. Yeah, I mean, I like among, the, among the things we've learned about the NRA recently, first of all, very weird uh, connections with Russia. Um, and people from the NRA uh-huh. traveling to Russia and Russia, for some reason, uh, funneling some money to the NRA. And now we've got questions about – I mean, there are investigations ongoing into this as we speak. I mean, at the, the New York State Attorney General is really going after the NRA. Uh, there seems to be a cult of personality around the guy who runs the NRA, Wayne, Wayne LaPierre. LaPierre yeah. um, he gets all kinds of perks that, I mean, even some CEOs don't get. Taking trips to Italy on NRA he money. He's accused of travel, a bunch of stuff. They buy his clothes. They buy his wardrobe. I mean, what kind of? I mean, like, if, if you're a hunter, any other organi- if, if you're a, a hunter, you know, so, a publicly traded company. I mean, they have it. a magazine, American Rifleman, which has been around for a long time. I mean, if you jo- if you joined the NRA in order to get the magazine, and yeah. you know, you know, and you're an enthusiast about hunting, and you're paying some dues. Are you, how do you feel about your money like going for this guy who mainly is just a kind of like a Washington lobbyist? But also, I mean, by I, the way, this, this, I, you know, and the, the positions they stake out are just so far uh, removed from where public opinion is on gun rights. Having said all that, they are a very, we know, powerful lobby, have been for decades. Yes, they are. And they, they contributed $30 million to President Trump's 2016 election. So, you know, he can he just simply not afford to... 
perhaps do the right thing and do what his conscience tells him to do because he wants to be president so badly that he's going to do what the NRA wants him to do. Trump can afford to buck the NRA. He can, um, you say. Yeah. In okay. fact, given that Trump really doesn't give a crap about uh, who he insults or upsets. He seems um, to not I, want I'm to upset Wayne LaPierre. He does. Um, and he actually huddles with the NRA, apparently. every You know, yeah. it, after these mass shootings, it seems like he calls up the NRA and asks, what should I do? Yeah. Um, so Trump is seems particularly unnerved by gun violence. And um, he does not seem to—I I mean, he doesn't have a—he a, doesn't seem to have any kind of— personal position on this. He's just trying to figure out what's the most effective Which way does the wind stance blow? to have Which is not what you want in a leader. $30 million is not a lot of money <laughs> with regard to a, a presidential for one, election. But for one lobbying group? It's not, it's not really okay. that much money. And I've asked people, why is the NRA so powerful politically? And it's not, they do give some money. I mean, it matters. Uh, I mean, a typical presidential campaign these days is going to is going to have a billion dollars or more in funding. So thirty, uh, you know, thirty million dollars is three percent of that. Um, that's not huge. Um, the the way the NRA has been effective is they are they have very active a very active membership base, and they can really. Um, activate, they say it's five they can, million they can members. Really, yeah, they can really activate those members, especially in local or state. Uh, state races. Um, so those are the races mm. in which some activists uh, who are really going after a candidate or supporting a candidate who aligns with their interests can actually make quite a difference. And I think that's why you see members of Congress right. kowtowing to the NRA the way they the the way they have been doing for a long time, and especially Mitch McConnell even does it. Uh, you know, he's one of the most powerful people in Congress, and even he seems beholden to the NRA. Right. His hands um, seem to be tied. And it's not because they need the money. It's because the NRA uh, just controls, seems to have uh, be able to persuade or influence enough voters to make a difference, especially in a tight election. There's even been talk of taking away the NRA's tax-exempt status. I'm wondering if maybe that would be enough to do that. Well, the in. Trump administration is not going to do that. That's a fed, that would be a federal thing. There's no chance that will happen in the in the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see something like – I mean uh, it's more interesting what's going to happen with the New York State investigation into the NRA. Um, I don't know what leverage the uh, New York State would have with regard to its tax-exempt status, but they could prosecute them criminally. Um, and I'm sure New York could find – I'm sure they already have found some jurisdiction to do that. Obviously, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know where that's headed. But um, – the NRA is in trouble, and I think the real question of the moment, um, you know, every time there's a mass shooting, the question is, will we finally be able to muster some enough political support this time to get some kind of um, legis- new legislation passed? And the answer always is no. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer, I think the answer is actually still no. But um, at the federal level, how many people need to die before level. we get some sort of a consensus? A lot more. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry to say the so answer is. So you're not is, hopeful that we can have any kind of legislation before the next presidential election on gun control. I, not at the federal level. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it is possible now that um, I mean, Republicans are some Republicans are coming around to this. So let's talk about legislation. The way I see legislation, it kind of fall, it kind of falls into three different buckets. Um, the uh, Biggest deal would be a ban on on the sale of certain type of weapons and perhaps buybacks of those weapons to get some of them out of the hands of people. Um, that's the hardest. Uh, the next is extending is more extensive background checks that would make it harder to sell people uh, to people who maybe shouldn't just have a gun. As a layperson, yep. Why would one oppose a background I, I, check? I can't answer it's, that because it, it makes no sensible. sense to me. 
I mean, yeah. the classic thing that people say is we're going to get no, tweets. We're no, going to get tweets, Rick. I don't care. But <laughs> I, I, I hope people explain to us. I'd like to understand why a, a universal background check is a bad thing when you're, you're giving someone the, a weapon that can take lives. You're asking the wrong person because no. I mean, I'm. I agree with you completely. Nobody really argues about the need to get a driver's license to drive a car. Um, a car can be dangerous. Uh, cars are going to be a deadly weapon, and we all cars agree that you should you should have to prove you can handle a car in order to get a license. Kind of stuff, but, but you don't have to prove you can handle a gun in order in most. I mean, in some places you do have to. In New York State, you do. But um, uh, anyway, um, so more extensive background checks not likely to happen at the federal level. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the area where there does seem to be a little movement is these so-called red flag laws, right? Which would make it harder, or they put up limits to um, sell a gun to somebody who triggers a red flag. Well, you know what? Give me a break. I Because, agree. I mean, the NRA says, we can get behind that. Let's not put guns in the hands of mentally ill people. Oh, thanks, NRA. Well, the, the, so the uh, one problem with that is uh, mentally um, unstable people don't normally raise their hand and go sign up for a list so that says there? that says, oh, I'm 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 feeling mentally unstable. Could I want to be on the list that you can't sell stuff to? So right. identifying the people in a preemptive way is the problem there. So you find I out after the fact, and then that that's a big oops. Oh, I, oops! I we mean, didn't it realize it can't hurt. The, you know, it can't hurt. But I mean, it doesn't seem realistic to right. think it's going to change much. Uh, you know, so we heard the governor of Ohio recently say maybe we should do something like this. I think there are a couple members of Congress, Republican. By the way, the governor of Ohio is a Republican. Um, a couple members of Congress saying maybe we should do something like this. There is a. Uh, there are a couple bills in Congress that would do this and um, do something on background checks. And I think what Mitch McConnell, he recently seemed to lighten up a little bit. And he said, well, maybe when we come back into session in September, hmm. we will, he, instead Trump's of blocking, instead He's of just blocking this legislation, maybe we'll have some hearings on it and maybe we'll come up for a vote. Hmm. It, the, um, the sort of sleight of hand here might be that if, okay, let's give the gun control advocates a wee little something and let's pass a red, a red flag bill, which really isn't going to change anything. Um, and if, you know, by the way, if somebody who's unstable does end up on this list and can't buy a gun, fine. It's not they'll like we're losing our job. It's not like Smith & Wesson's losing a lot of gun sales. Um, so those are, to my mind, those are the three buckets. And I, if there's any movement at all, it's probably not at the federal level. It's more at the state level. Um, as, it, as it has where been you, where you might see, years. Yeah, where you might see more uh, efforts to um, pass red flag laws and maybe more extensive background checks. Remember, remember, states can regulate this too. That's this is all to happening in as we move closer to the election. So I guess my question is, is gun control, is the issue of gun control one that the Democrats can use to defeat Trump or is it actually going to wind up hurting them more because they are alienating flyover America? Uh, it's a great question. And remember, when you think um, – how can the Democrats gain traction against Trump? Um, the Democrats don't have to persuade Democrats and Democrat leaders. They're already on board. They have to persuade independents and uh, people who are in the middle and perhaps some uh, Republicans who are not happy with Trump. That's who they have to persuade. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, we've had in a, in a bunch of these podcasts, I, I, I sort of keep going back to Joe Biden, not only because he is the, peop, the candidate everybody knows the most and he is leading in the polls right now, but because he he's also one the of the most, most centrist central. Democrats. Yeah. And uh, I think if anybody can pull this off, it's going to be somebody like Biden. And um, I think if I think Biden could be persuasive if, if he says, I want um, assault weapons off the street and that's it. 
Which That's he basically all, said. I, I, think, I think Biden could actually be persuasive. So, yeah. you know, he keeps fighting these rear guard actions because he's ha- had 40 years as a politician. And he's got a long record of being, you know, in favor of things in 1974 that fell out of favor in 2014. But I think, you know, Joe Biden could actually – this is an instance where he might be able to use that to his advantage and be able to say, look, in my 40 years as a, as a politician, I've never tried to take people's guns, you know, take, you know, God, uh, God-fearing, law-abiding citizens' guns away. All I want to do is – is, you know, try to take away the most destructive weapons that cause the most harm. And you should know from my record uh, that um, that's as far as I want to go on this. So uh, he could be persuasive. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the other thing about people's attitudes toward gun uh, violence and gun policy is it ebbs and flows based on what the latest when the latest tragedy what, what happened. The headlines so are, yeah. I think I think I can predict with about 100 percent accuracy that there will be another appalling mass shooting between now and probably probably many more than one between now and November 2020. But I, a more relevant question might be, will there be a mass shooting in the, let's say, two months prior to the election mm. in November in November 2020, because people get very fired up about this issue in the immediate aftermath of one of these incidents, and then they they kind of lose interest. Um, and uh, you know when well, you, you saw see it with the Parkland shooting, I mean, sure. Trump invited survivors of that shooting into the White House. Seemed to have a very sympathetic ear. Yep. That's when he started talking about universal background checks. Yep. And then he seemed to have met with the head of the NRA and completely <laughs> had a change of heart. I mean, my hope what is I that, meant to say was right. I mean, <laughs> I I I get the feeling that and I have not had a sit down with the president that he wants stricter right he wants some regulation and he wants to tighten the belt a little bit and he's somehow afraid to do that and my and my hope is that he will just go with his heart on this I don't think Trump has a heart on this uh, uh, okay. to be honest um, I actually think he does and I just don't think he has the courage to see it through well, where Trump firmly believes in something, he seems to always have the courage to see it through no matter how unpopular it is. I mean, he rejects the advice of mainstream advisors over and over, like on tariffs, on tariffs which we've right. talked about, um, because it's something he believes in. I, I think Trump just doesn't I – th- I think he's confuzzled about uh, what to do about these uh, incidents politically and – I would also point out that Trump is out of touch with uh, the majority of Americans on this topic. So the majority of Americans want something done. Uh, it gets a little harder when you say, what should that something be? But, um, you know, for when the NRA basically is aligned with about, and to my mind, about 15% of Americans who say, we should do actually nothing about guns. We should just continue to tolerate this carnage um, because the most important thing is our ability to own handguns and the death of children doesn't matter yeah, relative to that. I, I mean, the NRA is just completely out of touch with where the majority of Americans are here, but the NRA punches above its weight. Also, it has been it has been able to uh, influence policy even though it, it advocates a minority view on these policies. So Trump's out of touch on this, but it's up to Democrats to hold him to account for that and to really find a way to um, advance their own political cause at Trump's expense. He's out of touch on other things, too. Yes, um, but he, which we talked about on other podcasts. <laughs> but but that, does, that doesn't mean Democrats are going to be effective at capitalizing on it. That that right there is the key. And, of course, we're going to be watching any developments and see if any kind of legislation can happen between now and the end of the year. So, Rick, great conversation as always. And thank you all for listening to Ballads and Dollars. And thank you to our audience, I would like to add. I think we're doing this whole topic because – Alex, our producer is right there. Was it one audience member who asked about this or thousands? One. Thousands? 
Thousands, one comment. Th- it thousands only takes one. Thousands is the and right we'll answer. And we'll actually listen so, and do something about it. So somebody it. said, would you guys address gun uh, policy? And we did. We so we do take uh, audience requests here at Ballots and Dollars. Like a DJ. Like a good DJ. Right. All right. Well, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Alexis TV News. Rick J. Newman. All right. Be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. I think See this you next was, time. I think this was the best one ever. Yeah.